the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Sake On Air, the world's first podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue surrounding Japan's iconic beverages, sake and shochu, and of course, our morning. Uh, we'd normally be recording at the Japan Saki and Shochi Information Center in the part of Tokyo, but for this episode, we will be re recording this uh, via Zoom. My name is Chris Hughes, and I am joined today by uh, two of your other regular hosts, Cindy and Rebecca. Cindy, Rebecca,、uh, how are you doing? Well, I thank you very much for your generous introduction, but I'm not such a regular host. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's been a busy year with the borders opening up in Japan and, you know, business as usual.、Um, those of us who are working in the export field are、um, finally able to get to the markets that we export to. So it's、uh, been a busy year of、um, catch up business trips. So、um, sorry for the radio silence, guys, but it's great to be back in the saddle. Looking forward to today's discussion. We've really missed you. It's great to have you and to be able to do a show with Rebecca again. So,、yeah. and I consider you a regular host. <laughs> you're more regular than me, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that,、uh, but you're too modest.、Uh, I, I show up sometimes only, right? But, yeah. No, it's fun. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I think it's a fun topic. We had great fun when we went to do the tasting. So, excited to kind of hear your opinions about how you guys do it and. Whether things match up with what I believe, <laughs> we not, don't know yet. So, that was alluding to the topic、yeah. of this conversation. You're, you're, <laughs> gently, you're gently alluding to and coaxing us towards introducing Spoiler today's、alert. topic. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. If you, if you haven't, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So,、uh, today's topic well, basically, the focus of today's show is all about assessment,、uh, tasting sake, assessing sake. And we actually、uh, took part in a big competition the other day.、Uh, a number of the Saki on Air team went along to take part in the National Japanese Saki Sommelier Competition, as it's called.、Um, and just a few days, about a week before that,、um, we also took part in a little practice assessment,、uh, which took place at the Japan Saki and Shochu Information Center using a new、uh, special kit. Which you can purchase, have delivered, and basically do this assessment at home. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, let's dive in. And I think we'll probably start by talking about this assessment that we did at the、uh, center, right? So,、um, that was basically、uh, Cindy and myself.、Uh, Rebecca, you've not had a chance to try out this kit yet, have you?、Uh, no, I've actually done this、uh, quite a few times, probably around about half a dozen times.、Uh, but Not in this new form of the kit, which it seems like a for home use.、Um, I've had it,、uh, I've, I've done the assessment using the, the, the structured um, testing um, samples um, at various breweries.、Uh, quite a few breweries actually use this uh, testing, uh, this tasting、um, assessment to、um, do. Within brewery,、uh, like kind of practices to help、oh, them、right. keep on top of their、um, tasting and assessment ability.、Um, it's a 
good way for um, you know staff at a brewery to do something together collectively to you know um, in, increase their um, assessment knowledge and their precision um, with assessing. Um, for example, I've done this at Nizao Jozoten in Miyagi, as well as Hewashuzo in Wakayama Prefecture, and that involves all of the staff um, taking part. And done on a monthly basis, uh, staff can start to see their um, uh, appraisal ability improve. It's also really interesting to be able to hone in what your weaknesses and strengths are. So uh, you're going to probably go into a little bit more about what you experienced because I wasn't at the uh, um, at the session at the um, at the JSS Information Centre. However, one of the things that I was told actually by Nizawa-san when I did the um, assessment up there was that one thing to note before going into it is that your personal preferences can actually be your Achilles heel. So, for example, I love acidity. I drink um, drinking vinegar every morning, for example. I'm, I've been known to eat lemons. <laughs> I really, really love highly acidic things. And so it was interesting that in the um, marking, I was scored lowest on assessing the acidity of the samples because I had a high tolerance to acidity um, it made it difficult for me to assess accurately what the acidity was um, however I don't like sweet things I don't like desserts I don't like um, chocolate for example which makes me a bit of a weirdo but um, because I don't like it I have got a very low tolerance to it so could identify the level of sweetness and saturation of the sample quite accurately so it was interesting knowing that my weak, the things that I disliked actually were my strengths in tasting, but the things that I preferred were my weaknesses. And that was a really interesting um, outcome of the, of the whole process. And it made me focus much more on those weak points, much more in future um, assessments that I, that I was doing, whether it be this type of um, tasting sample or in other competitions that I'm involved in. I can 100% relate to that. I, I, I'm definitely got a sweet tooth. And the thing that I did the worst on in this time in the assessment was identifying the difference between sweet and dry, which <laughs> I really should be able to do. As a WSET educator, um, you know, a lot of my students will be, who are listening to this podcast will be hearing that and going, hang on a second. <laughs> but I have to stress that the thing about this assessment is that the components are incredibly um, small they, they are very very they are tiny inside the sample so whereas i'm used to sort of tasting samples where that particular component is much more um emphasized uh you know it, it's made to be quite a tricky assessment it really does challenge you so chris i think maybe for our audience who haven't been part of an assessment could you please go over what the assessment is and how we do the tastings so that they have a better understanding maybe of what we've just discussed. Absolutely. So uh, I'm assuming that, that it's the same, but the only difference is that this is a kit that you can buy and have you know, uh, delivered to your house. But basically it's a number of bottles that contain the same base sake, 
Um, but in each of these bottles, a, a different component or element has been, what was the word you used, Rebecca, earlier? A tincture. A tincture yeah, a, tin a different a component. Yeah, they've tinkered with a different component in, in the bottle. But it's a very minute tinkering. Uh, it's not supposed to jump out at you. It's not supposed to be obvious. You are really supposed to, it's really supposed to test your sensory ability. Um, and that it did. And so at the Japan Saki and Shochi Information Center, um, Imada-san prepared these bottles beforehand. And then what happened was he put, for each sort of questions, we had a number of questions. So for example, there would be a question, please um, put these, what, what, what was it, Cindy, was it, um, which one is the sweetest, which one is the driest, I think was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we started with sweet versus dry, and then we had the different samples and they had to be in order, right? Yeah, um, you have to do from like the, the sweetest to the least sweet, and then an acidity, the most acidic to the least acidic, and you had to put them all in order. Yeah, and then they put two bottles on each table, and then you had to basically say which one of the two bottles had most of a particular component. So that's what they did for the acidity test. And we basically had three different types of acidity that we had, we were tested on. We were tested on malic acid, which is the, the apple acid is often referred to, the lactic acid, and succinic acid, which is sort of the part of the uh, equation for umami. So a lot of people say it sort of, it tastes like umami. Um, and Imadasan actually commented that he thought the succinic acid test was really difficult. He thought he was actually, he, he said afterwards that even I would struggle. I think maybe I put too little <laughs> succinic <laughs> acid in, in the uh, samples. Um, I actually really struggled with lactic acid. Um, and I thought I, I knew that acid really well, um, but I really struggled with that. And then the final test was basically a very simple, um, put these, pick out which, so we had, basically we had letters on the bottles and we had uh, numbers uh, on the sheet and we had to match them together. So you've got different um, ester, like aromas, for example, ink or paper, yeah. as well as faults, like some of the components that, um, that uh, become flaws or faults um, in the resulting sake, there are certain um, chemical compounds um, that those um, yes. are, yeah. and so you have to be able to um, identify those particular faults um, that have been added, um, even things like banana and rose, um, all sorts of different uh, common esters um, or aroma um, compounds that you would find in sake um, were all separated out. You would go around the tables trying to basically isolate and identify each one and there i think there's there's some so like we this. didn't we didn't do this we had a slightly oh. easier version basically madison i think we were i think we were running out of time and, I he, and he was sort of he'd had enough mixing the bottles so um he basically made some uh you know like the little pieces of paper that you get in a, a herb herb um aroma shops you know and you go around and you take the paper and you have a little sniff so he made these sort of like he had these strips of paper and he sprayed some of the um aroma onto the paper he sent basically gave us all this piece of paper and he said what that particular aroma was and then afterwards he sent three pieces of paper around with 
one of the aromas that we just um, sniffed and asked us to guess which one it was. And I was, I, I mean, I still don't, I still, I'm very, very suspicious about whether this was correct. I was convinced, I was convinced that that was the, um, what did I think it was? I thought it was the, I thought it was a fault. Right, I thought it was the album. Yeah, and I said it was banana. Yeah, you said it was banana. You got it right. So you said it was banana, the uh, isomil acetate. Right? It didn't smell like isomil acetate to me. And we just smelt that just like uh, you know, literally five minutes before. It smelt to everyone on my uh, myself and Sebastian and Marie. All three of us thought it was uh, aldehyde, acetylaldehyde, because that's what it smelt like to us. But yeah, there you go. Just it just shows that you can be. I do wonder if the amount that you spray on the paper makes a difference to how you you perceive it. Absolutely, absolutely, it was. Yeah, it was a very um, humbling experience. Why do you say that, Chris? Because I went away with a lot lower marks than I was than I was expecting to get, and I think I thought I don't know. I didn't think necessarily that I'd do really well, but. I, I thought I would do better than I did. It was it was quite poor, quite a poor showing. But to be um, honest, I mean, we also had some staff from JSS, right? And they were about in the same margins that we were. <laughs> so yes, it was by no true. respect us mm. being faulty or or lower in the marks than the JSS staff. I think we all were kind of around the same levels in things. Yeah. So I went into this competition the following week, wanting to um, avenge my my poor performance the previous week. And I think I did, I, to an extent, yeah. Well, in some in some ways, though, it's with any kind of situation, part of it is also learning how the assessment works. You know, so you have the challenge of actually doing the assessment, but then you also have to get used, used to the methodology and the way of doing the assessment according to the parameters set by whomever has designed the, the competition or the program, right? So it, there's always... The learning curve, and as I said, I've done the the full um, assessment um, probably about half a dozen times, and each time was different because even though it is a standardised assessment and it is the you, you're dealing with exactly the same um, uh, way of doing the assessment each time, and you've, you're trying to identify the same um, um, aroma and flavour compounds um, in all of the samples. The base sample, the base sake that's used is usually different. The only criteria is that the base sake is the same across all samples. However, if you have, if for example, obviously when we're at Nizawa Jozo team, we're using, you know, their sake. When I'm at Heiwa Shuzo, we're using their sake. So the base sake is different. So that can maybe sometimes make uh, some challenges um, in identifying some um, of the components. Um, and sometimes it's um, maybe just on a day, you know, we're dealing with um, our senses, right? So if you're under the weather, uh, if you're, you know, if you're coming down with a cold, you know, there all can be all sorts of other elements that come into play. So, you know, every, every time I've done it has been, actually my first uh, assessment that I did was I came away with a, 
not the kind of score that I thought that I would get. But as I said, I did identify my weaknesses and my strengths, which was really helpful going to the next one. And in the next one, I only got two wrong in the um, in the assessment. So, and then the next time I didn't do as well as I thought. So, you know, it's, a, it's an up and down. It can really depend on where you are on the day, I guess. Cindy, what did you think? How did you feel? How was it you? Because you were doing it in Japanese as well. And, and although I was explaining the, you know, the meaning of the questions and everything, it's still very difficult, you know, because I think, I mean, even I got a little bit tripped up by the questions because they were doing the number five for low and the number one for high. And that completely, I, I still ended up putting them in the wrong order, even though I tried to remember that order. So, yeah, how was it for you? I mean, you and obviously everybody else in Imada-san were great help translating <laughs> to to your best ability so I mean I had an idea of what I was doing this was the first time I was doing a test like this so it was really interesting because if you say to me succinic acid I don't know what I have to look out for right it, it doesn't say to me like oh it should be like this but then once you know ah oh, you're looking for this I thought it was actually easier to find it from the two samples when we got into the five samples where suddenly it was like oh let's look at the sake meter value or nihonshudo which one is the lowest and which one is the highest and you're I think that was a lot more confusing because normally when you drink sake you're not trying to <laughs> fit these numbers or add these numbers to certain samples right and the same with the alcohol content yeah. Um, yeah. so this was quite interesting and something that I would normally not do I mean I'm not drinking a sake and say this is 12 percent <laughs> sure yeah you know? oh we um, had the alcohol we had the alcohol strength as well didn't we so that was the first one actually so the first one was alcohol strength then SMV, second meter value. So how we, we literally like which ones have a sweet, which ones are dry, and the ones in between as well. Yeah. So, and so then zero we, plus five minus ten. Like yes. Super accurate in terms of that, but you never look for this when you drink sake. It's it's a quite a random number for many of us. Um, so that was really interesting. And then when we went into the smell test again, I don't necessarily associate these components with certain things, so I didn't. I didn't expect to score really well. So then when I did actually get a few of them right, I was quite surprised and <laughs> kind of happy with myself. But at the same time, I don't think um, it's something that you would do in your normal everyday life with sake. You wouldn't be in a izakaya and try to find these different compounds and you things. You would be but... the worst dining companion if you were to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, worst or I best. wouldn't want to go out with you ever again if you're breaking things down. You never just, know from now on. I may be Just drink it for goodness just sake. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be frank. I mean, it's this is for a sommelier's competition. Mm. So let's frank, this is a technical competition, right? This is not a real world as you say use it at your local izakaya but in terms of personal development as you know just in terms of your personal knowledge um and maybe even um just if you want to start to um really fine-tune your um your tasting and your um assessment of sake abilities then it is a really great way especially the at-home kit for you to be able to do regular practice I mean this has widely been available in the wine world having um, you know aroma kits for you to practice your you know aroma skills um, and so I think it's it is a it's a great and valuable tool um, for personal assessment totally it, totally rather than just competitions you know, when as we're working in the industry, even for those of us who are professionals, 
professionals, it's really important for us to keep our tasting abilities on point. You know, we need to keep on refreshing, making sure that we are up to date with not only um, various uh, trends happen in the market, and so some aromas and flavors will become more pronounced but it's important that if we start to lean too heavily into the trending flavors and aromas then as I was saying about if you have a certain preference or a certain dislike you can kind of skew your assessment ability Hmm. right so for example when I was just starting out in sake in 2005 what was really, really popular was Murakonamagenshu or uncharcoal filtered or uncharcoal fined, um, unpasteurized and undiluted sake. And often that sake is very sensitive to heat and light and you would often get a lot of uh, sort of off notes developing quite quickly. Um, we call them either namihine in the case of Murakonamagenshu. And I was so used to drinking Murakonamagenshu that I... I was not noticing when sake was oxidized and that was not great for doing judging <laughs> as you can imagine because that's a fault in most judge in most judging competitions so it's important that I think people who are professional um, keep their skills really up to date. I totally agree and we actually have a few recordings from as we were doing yes. the tasting. So Ooh. we we did a few little interviews on our impressions on the day. <laughs> so we're going to... Oh, this will be fascinating. Yeah, roll the tape. So you can listen to our reactions uh, as we gave them on the day. My name is Cindy and I really enjoyed it. I actually thought that the smell part was really intriguing because I only done it once. And to kind of see all the different smells and how they contribute to the aromas in sake was kind of the first time I experienced it in in that kind of form. So it was really interesting. Although I didn't get everything right, but (laughs) there were a few surprises. Hey, it's Chris. Um, So that was interesting. Um, I was completely flummoxed by the the one which was uh, Isamil Asate. I threw me completely. That smelled like more like varnish to me. It was just weird. Just the way the nose plays on tricks. The way the nose plays on tricks and plays tricks on you. But it was a really, um, it was a really cool experience and um, very interesting. Uh, you know, kind of what you think. Uh, it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was a very interesting. So my name is Sébastien and I enjoyed this um, exercise very much. It's actually very rare that you have the opportunity to uh, taste uh, single aromas or, or, sorry, it's actually very rare that you have an opportunity to um, smell and try to remember single aromas and then uh, get tested on your, on your memory. So in that sense, that's very useful. And I know that the uh, GSS, or I think the National Research Institute of Brewing is releasing a kit to uh, train your uh, palate and your nose. And I would definitely recommend people to uh, use one and uh, slowly but surely um, train their palate and their nose to uh, uh, discover more about what they're drinking. Um, I, my name is Shusoi Mada, and I was leading 
the seminar, <laughs> but <laughs> I did some of my, that seminar. But uh, I, I found that the acid part was the most difficult part for me, especially the succinic acid. To identify the succinic acid is quite difficult because, you know, succinic acid is not around us in the daily life, so you, you, it's, it's kind of hard to have a concept of what succinic acid is, actually. So it was interesting, and I hope it was a good experience for everybody. Okay, so we're back. Thank you very much for uh, rejoining us. Uh, we're going to continue talking a bit about um, the competition, actually. So I wasn't there, um, excuse me, um, but I'd love to hear about your experience at this year's event. Can you tell us a little bit more about what actually happened? It was uh, a few weekends ago, so what, what yes. happened? Absolutely. Well, first of all, <laughs> we do actually have to talk about a little mishap. Oh, uh, happened at the competition because I think probably by now um, it's making its rounds in the media and probably quite well known. Well, um, I live under a rock, so you're going to have to fill me in. Okay. Well, they use uh, a machine marking system, and basically there was an error uh, with the machine marking, and they had to remark, and the actual results changed. So the the actual winners changed. Um, that the different positions in the ranking kind of switched. And um, it's very important to emphasize that the company that's been running this competition um, has been run, that ran the competition this year has been running it um, for quite a few years. This has never happened before. Um, it is just one of those things. Um, it has all been sorted now. Um, we don't want to dwell too much on that. Um, but so basically we, uh, so Cindy, uh, myself, and Frank, uh, Animada-san, uh, we went down to a venue in Tokyo. And after a sort of a short introduction, uh, we sat down. We started off with a uh, writing test, which was, I have to say, quite, quite challenging. Testing, so it was in Japanese, right? It was mm. in Japanese, yes. Completely in Japanese. But it was multiple choice. So you didn't have to write anything. But you did have to be able to read the questions. And the questions were purposefully wrote in a way that would trick even a native uh, Japanese speaker. Uh, I really struggled with them. And it was, there was a few questions about um, culture, Jap sake culture, some history questions. And again, even Yamada-san said that, you know, the, those questions even he would, would struggle with. So who was attending this event? So the attendees, basically we had at the front of the room, we had, all the different prefectures. So various competitions had been held at other times, and the winners from those competitions had basically been put together into a group to represent each prefecture. So, for example, we actually bumped into another foreigner who was uh, taking part as a participant uh, at the competition, and he said that he'd been chosen because he'd come first in a tasting competition at his local uh, sake shop or izakaya. Uh, I think perhaps we'll have the chance to uh, interview uh, him in the future, but that was uh, the lovely Kevin, right, from, from Nagano. From Nagano, um, yes. Yeah, and um, so you had basically people representing the prefectures, groups of people representing the prefectures, and then behind them, you had university students. 
So it was sort of like, you know, uh, a university challenge type thing. And then be behind them, you had companies that were called exhibition, exhibitionists. I don't really <laughs> quite understand what that was all about, but I guess they were there just doing it on behalf of their company, representing the company. Perhaps the company was sponsoring the event. That I'm not 100%. Like that. Yeah. That's yeah. And then we were at the back. You know, we had our own little table. One and, table with us. <laughs> yeah. And they did introduce us. They introduced us when they were introducing all the participants. They said, oh, we have, we have uh, three foreigners uh, challenging the uh, competition this year. Um, they didn't mention Saki on air, I think. So it's okay. So um, that was the layout. We started with a written test. And then after the written test, we all moved to a different hall where we sat down at another table. And on this table, we had two sets of five sake. No, seven sake, sorry. Seven minutes for seven sake. It was literally one minute per sake. And you basically, you taste them and you put them in any order you like. Just writing some notes maybe so that you can, to help you identify these sake when you do the second tasting. So the idea is that you're arranging these sake so that, you will be able to identify them when you do this next tasting. And then once we're given the go-ahead, we do the second tasting. We're given another seven minutes to do, basically it's the same seven sake, but they're in a different order. And then we have to match the sake together. So whatever right. sake we think sake number one is, we have to match sake number one, sake number two, number two. And they were basically letters and numbers. So A, B, C, D, E, F. Those notes that you take are going to be really, really important because you need to give yourself a real hint of that first impact, that first impression that you get when your nose and mouth interacts with that particular sample. So it's something that's it's like a like a keyword or just an image that you get when you um yeah. So it for me I found really really interesting it doesn't have to be an actually a precise taste you know it can be something really random like for example um I've got um synesthesia so um I see in colors I get my information in colors so um I will often uh write down the kind of or even draw the pattern that I get um and for example one time during IWC which is a competition that I judge on I got a very strong kiwi fruit I mean there's no kiwi fruit in the sake but the color wash that I got looked a little bit like a kiwi fruit so I wrote down kiwi fruit so then when I did the tasting the next time and I experienced that similar kind of green um with the little black dots in it ah oh, okay that's the connect the two <laughs> so I steal your ability that sounds really really <laughs> right? it's like a superpower well actually, well actually we can go on into a minute but for IWC it's a very communicative judging process where you quickly assess within uh, about a minute uh, around about six sake so about a minute for all six and then you discuss it and I've got to I've got my notes and I've got to try and translate what that means in human terms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I've got all yeah. of these random notes that me and work for me, but now in a in a conversation, what does that translate in an articulate sentence? You know, so I still think it's, it's a not, superpower. It's not, it's not a, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is a useful 
for waste, but to, you know, whatever it is, whatever your quirk is or whatever, however you remember things, um, you, yeah. it's a good way to get a little system going um, where you can, that helps you to more quickly identify things. I actually have this strategy because after doing the initial assessment at the center, I thought maybe I overthought it a little bit. I maybe focused too much on particular elements. And I thought, okay, when you start actually tasting sake, the biggest problem you have is the alcohol knocks your senses off balance. It completely blocks them. So, okay, hang on. Don't get any alcohol in, up your nose, all right? Just focus on a very, very light sniffing of each sake. Start there and just focus on the easiest characteristic you can, you can write down. Fruity, ricey, mature, um, I don't know, floral, um, smelling of koji or smelling like a nama or whatever. So that's what I did. That was my kind of first just run through. And then, bearing in mind, you only have seven minutes. And then I went through and actually tasted them and then wrote down some more specific notes. But I, I, I do think that you can, the danger is to overthink it, to overanalyze it. And I do actually think that people who aren't professionals, who do just come at this, not having that experience, I think they go a little bit more off instinct. I think they do better. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting at all that mm. there's a handicap here. I'm not suggesting at all this is a fluke or anything like that. I'm not. I think some people have genuinely amazing sensory and, abilities and actually i did notice that i think about my third, third or fourth time around with it um and actually even doing iwc judging as well international wine challenge second division judging i should explain is that when i first did the assessment and when i first did iwc i was so nervous about getting it right or wrong rather than focusing on what was right in front of me and the challenge at hand right i was thinking too much about the outcome rather than what was in front of me. So that was my first, um, the first hurdle that I had to jump with um, doing assessments. The second was, as you say, Chris, I did discover that because I was so worried about getting it wrong, I'd go around endlessly doing it over and over again and double-checking, double-checking, double-checking my, my answers. And at the last minute, I'd panic and change things around but then now my nose was tired, my mouth was tired, and I was just sort of in panic mode. Yeah. Right. And you should, and what I discovered was your first instinct is the best. Go with what you notice first and put it down and commit to it. Commit to it. You've got to commit. And I think, as you're saying, Chris, um, between maybe an amateur assessor and a professional assessor, is that perhaps we've got a little bit more experience with tasting that we have a we can say I think this is this and we've got a pretty comfortable with our decision on that you know and so we can maybe commit a lot easier than maybe someone who's got less tasting experience but you do have to quite quickly let go of thinking things through too much and using your senses and but I mean it in WCT and with with all other um, sort of wine assessments that I've done or sake assessments that I've done. Um, and as a former international school teacher, when I was teaching science to kids, um, we have to remember that taste is 80% aroma. Yes, of course, yeah. So 
you should be spending 80% of the time that you have available on focusing on the aroma because the taste should be a confirmation of what you have already decided on the nose. Yeah. Well, what right? we call flavor, right? What you get in the mouth, basically, but not touching the tongue, but what you get in the olfactory senses. And yeah. And some people actually, are more... actually gave me a good tip on this for this particular system that we're, we're discussing right now is that he said the mistake people make is they, is they take too much into their mouth. And he, he says you should be focusing on around about five mils. Yes. Yes. I tell this to my students in, in my very, classes. Very, small amount very small. in your mouth um, yeah. and doing that consistently. So each sample has the same volume yes. um, is, is really important because if you take a big mouthful of one and then less of another, you're getting less impression in your mouth. And you're overpowering your, your, your taste buds. You're knocking them out. I mean, you might not be able to, they might not be ready for the next sake. You might completely use up all your ability with that one Sake, and then you won't be able to. My advice to, I mean, because this is a really, I think it's a really fascinating um, assessment, and I, I think it's really valuable for anyone that is curious about sake or even looking to um, maybe doing something like a sake sommeliers course or or whatever, or just for someone who's an at home enthusiast. I think it's a really fun and um, exercise, and. Um, so I'm really happy to hear about this kit because, as I say, the wine world's had something similar available to the market for a long time. Um, and I'd be it would be really interesting for if people who are listening to this podcast um, get access to one of the kits and do do it at home or have actually done the the full extensive appraisal before. It'd be really interesting to hear about their experiences um, doing it. So, Cindy, uh, what was your experience of the competition and do you uh so sort of, does what we've been saying sort of uh does that sound of ring true or did you have a different experience did you discover something different no i totally agree and i must say i did the same competition two years ago so because during the pandemic they couldn't have it in person so they had the ballot system of selecting sommeliers from each prefecture and i got selected for tokyo so i did it but in the comfort of my house. <laughs> so although there was a timing on everything, it was so much more relaxed because you were already in a place where you kind of felt um, a little bit safer. I thought being in that big hall with all these people, it was already the excitement and the, the stress of it. I think it also kind of played a little bit on the senses. Um, then again, um, you said it yourself and your Japanese is, is perfect. Um, it was sometimes hard to understand what exactly we were supposed to do. So you're in this time constraint, slightly frantic <laughs> situation. And then having the seven minutes for the seven sake was actually the time just went like this. I mean, oh, yeah. I thought I'm going to be really scientific. Let's go from like low acidity, high acidity, sweet, uh, dry. Then I went to that's my favorite. That's my least favorite. Oh, this is a sake that I know this friend would love, you know, trying to have different key points that I could go back on and be 100 percent sure I got it right. But then we had the break and the other seven came out or the same seven in different order came out. And I could have sworn two of them were different. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> I literally thought this is not the same sake that I just drank before. But I did make the mistake of not focusing on the nose. You know, and I have to say that the, the three that I got right were the ones where I focused on the nose. And yeah. the, the four that I got wrong, although two of them were close. Two of them were far away because they, 
they actually um, you get given points. Uh, so they it's actually like not just basically seven out of seven. You basically get um, there's an X amount of points. Thirty six, he said, thirty six marks in total, and they basically award marks even if you get it wrong, based on how far away you are, how close you are. So say for example, you pick I picked for one of them, I picked second number four, and it should have been second number five. So I'm super close to them. They're super close together. So I would get, I would still get some marks. But then for another one, I pick second number one, and it should have been second number seven. So I'm completely off. You know, basically I'm getting dry versus sweet completely wrong there. Um, so yeah, I, the ones where I focused on the on the nose, I got those three right, and the other ones where I was second guessing myself, and like you, I thought they'd actually put two completely different sake mm. in there. I got I got wrong. So yeah, I, yeah. That, that I completely believe. And to be honest, I mean, this is an exercise that anybody can do without having to buy a kit. I mean, if you have a couple of bottles of sake in your fridge, you can create your own test environment, <laughs> time yourself and see if you get it right or not right, right? Um, I think when I started with sake, some of my senses told me to do this. Um, I feel like I should do it more often <laughs> after <laughs> the latest um, experience with it. But yeah, I mean, very insightful. And I think, Chris, you said it at some point, also a little bit humbling. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know. I mean, you've done this, you've got this much experience, you know, you've done these qualifications, you've been working in the industry this long, you know, you can be forgiven for thinking you should have, you know, a certain skill at this stage. And but it's not about that, you know, as, as Rebecca has been explaining, it, it, it's not really that type of competition in a way. It's something much more deeper. Um, that's useful for all skill levels, you know, regardless of whether you're an advanced taster or, or a beginner taster or whatever so yeah I think it's a great I think it's a great competition I think it's I think it's a really interesting competition my one gripe would be um that it's called a sommelier's competition because yeah. sommelier is a loan word from the wine industry which I don't actually think really suits to be honest this is my own humble opinion but I don't think it actually really is suitable because how many people work as sommeliers for sake in Japan? Uh, I can well, put it, but it is you it, on my hand, and it's the English translation the most um, populous um, sake drinking country in the yeah. world. Um, I think it's a, it's a convenient word because it is maybe helps people understand it's about serving sake, but sommelier is a profession, and people are doing a sommelier certificate and, and sommeliers competitions, but they're, they're not sommeliers. And I, I, I personally, and I've long said that I would prefer that um, national assessments and competitions are called that an, um, an assessor competition rather than a sommelier competition, because I'm not going to go into a restaurant and start selling it to people and pairing it with their meals. I'm not a sommelier. But I will use that in my professional life as someone who's designing maybe menus or describing products or in competitions, you know. So that's just my one. And I'm sorry, that might be <laughs> seemingly picky, but and I'd be interested to hear what our listeners think. Do you think it's weird that so much of the sake um, competitions and certificates are called sommelier? Um, you use sommelier in the title, or do you think it's um, helpful? I'd be really interested to hear our our listeners feedback on this point well it is worth mentioning that that it is a um, a sort of prefab translation because this competition isn't actually being held is it being held overseas i don't think it's being held overseas and it, it is only in japan it is only 
aimed at people who can understand Japanese. And I think this translation, I don't even know if there is an official translation of this competition, but the, the Japanese title does actually use the word kikizaki-chi, which is actually often translated as sommelier, but it's not really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Chris. So this is my point, is that in Japanese, we use kikizaki-chi, but that's translated as sommelier, and I don't believe that that is a smooth no. translation. And I think it actually... It maybe creates a sort of uh, almost a seemingly um, a, a barrier for some people. They think, "Oh, but I'm, I don't work in the food and beverage industry. I can't possibly take this certificate. Well, I can't possibly do this competition because I am not a professional working in a restaurant or a hotel group." So that's why I think it, the the use, using the term sommelier can be slightly misleading. But again, I'd love to know people thoughts on this um because yeah, no I, I i think it's a bad translation as well actually because kiki kiki in japanese means to taste or to try or to sample or assess and you can use it not just with sake you can use it with chocolate you can use it with anything so you know kiki chocolate chocolate for example and then the, the she is like to teach or you know the kind of the what you put on the end so that it becomes a qualification and it is actually a qualification that was created by the ssi the sake service institute um, so it is actually a branded thing as well. And I just think it's one of those things. It was just an easy thing to translate as sommelier. But yeah, I I mean, I, I would also like to hear what some of the other professionals working in the industry think about that. Japanese as well. I would like to hear what all this, all of our listeners have to say, because especially for people who are looking to maybe just enjoy sake more, do they find yeah. it um, intimidating for things to yeah. always be referred to as sommelier? I don't know. Love to hear, but yeah. I mean, this uh, you know, using the the techniques that you can learn on this kind of assessment is really really valuable, and it isn't just specific to sake. You can use these skills, even though sake is the the base um, product that we're tasting, to enjoy wine, to enjoy spirits, to enjoy food. You know, it really is a it's a it's a skill that you can use in a lot of different aspects of your life just for pure enjoyment or if you want to become um, a little bit more expert in a field I think it's a really valuable skill to um to have to have good um, tasting abilities um so yeah interesting to hear it's now available for use at home but yeah. if people are interested in um competitions I mean there are quite a few um competitions held around the world what are some competitions that I mean that come to mind for you Chris well I've I've been very lucky I once took part with John Gauntner in the um the Tohoku uh Shinshu Kampyokai so there is this competition called the Shinshu Zenkoku Shinshu Kampyokai where they basically they judge all the sake from all over Japan it's normally a Daiginjo or Juma Daiginjo or originally a Juma Daiginjo or Daiginjo but um, in this particular competition, they had different categories. They had Jumai as well. Um, and the other one is IWC, which I know that you, Rebecca, are um, a judge on. I, I judged twice in the past, but um, I'm not a judge at the moment. But tell us more about uh, IWC. Well, I've been fortunate enough to be a judge on IWC since around about, I think, 2014, I think. Um, and that was an interesting experience. It's like doing this assessment that you're just talking about, doing anything for the first time, any kind of assessment, you are learning the way that they do an assessment 
first of all, that's the biggest challenge. Um, and so it was, it's a competition that's held um, at the same time as the International Wine Challenge Wine um, assessments are done. Um, the sake division sort of go usually tags on at the end of that um, competition phase. And last year, there were 1,500 and something sake that we judged over three days. Um, and so we have a team, and each day we have a different team that we do um, different tranches of categories. So, for example, in the in the morning, first thing in the morning, we do the genshu because they've got the most impactful alcohol. So you want to get those ones out of the way the fastest um, because they, uh, if you have them at the end of the event, you're it's it just becomes very very overwhelming so you get them out of the way um and at the end of the day we do the sparklings you know so we, we sort of go off to the easier to approach ones as our palates are getting tired and our noses are getting stuffy um we move on to the easier to approach ones so you will do like your genshus your probably your junmais your kimoto uh, your junmais your junmai ginjos your um Daiginjos um, and Koshu and Sparkling. There are probably a Futsushu as well, of course, that's an important category. Um, and as I said before, so you have a, a team of around about five to six judges that you judge with. You have around a, a couple of minutes to do an, a quick um, appraisal blind the bottles are all wrapped up in black plastic um the only identifying marker is a code number around the um the neck of the bottle and you all use the same glassware and all of the sake is in the same shaped bottle as well so you can't identify anything and you quickly do a tasting you write notes furiously and those notes are taken in to make sure that you know you're not cheating and um, there's a group discussion and you will start off in the first rounds with saying something is kind of basically in or out. So it's in or out or it's a metal contender. And it's because you've got a lot of sake to get through. So you you basically, the first day you're putting all of the ones that are not in consideration into the outbox. And so the next day, day two, you can start um, honing down on those ones that you thought were Heavily, maybe have a middle potential and so then you start going through and now you're starting to say out again like it's not worth it commended yeah it's pretty good bronze yeah it's something I'd recommend a friend silver it's a it's a solid choice gold outstanding everyone's gonna love it um so you start to then really honing in on the, the your appraisal your assessment of each sake and then on the last day it's deciding the the champions like the medal winners like okay all of the golds are going to be coming in but then the organizers to keep it real will start to introduce things that we've outed they'll introduce things that we've marked down um to make to judge the judges to make sure that the judges are being um, consistent with their assessment um that's really important for the consumer who will maybe be buying the end product based on a gold, silver or bronze or commended medal, as well as the producer that's put their sake into the competition. But it's very much a, the, the objective of um, IWC is quite different from this assessment that we've been talking about previously. The focus of IWC is for the consumer. 
You know, it's really for consumers to walk into anywhere with sake. If they see that um, a, a bottle has been um, awarded a medal by IWC, that they have the confidence to pick that bottle up and enjoy the sake that they've purchased. It's really, um, I think, quite important, especially in new markets where sake is not known so well and people feel as though buying a bottle of sake is a big risk. Taking some of that uncertainty out of the purchase is a really important part of building um, consumer confidence and people's um, willingness to repurchase sake. Yeah, the competition that I was talking about um, before the Zengkok Shinshu Kampyokai, which was the English translation is the National Sake Appraisals, I think, uh, that focus very much more, it's always been more about judging the technical um, quality, the, the, the gold standard, if you like, finding what that gold standard is for that year for sake, because the, the original reason that the tax office actually set up um, this competition is so that they could keep an eye on the quality of sake to make sure that they're selling as much sake as they they need to be, um, because you know obviously back back in the old days it was really important to be selling sake to getting to be getting that tax. Um, but actually, it is worth saying actually that for a lot of brewers, um, it's very useful. That competition is also useful for them because they do learn a lot about you know what that gold standard is, what they should be doing to improve their sake. Maybe if they don't win a gold that year they can learn the reason why. And they do often say as well that the, although it isn't aimed at the consumer, it does tend to be a mirror on what type of sake is sort of trending. And that doesn't mean what the consumer is drinking. That's a different thing. It's more about what us sake geeks, as sake aficionados are sort of uh, drinking. Um, so, but yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's a completely different competition. The objectives are completely different. And the sort of sake that's selected is completely different. Um, as well. How about you, Cindy? Have you took part in any competitions yet, or uh, I any have kind not. of professional <laughs> tastings? Well, you have. I mean, technically, you have because you've done the uh, you've done the competition the other day, right? And the the assessment. True. But any true. Any I, I have, of... but I think I haven't taken it as serious as I <laughs> probably could have, yeah. and yeah, okay. certainly not to the extent that the both of you would have done. But you know, maybe in the future. Who knows? Well, but... the other thing is that before I actually did have a full-time job in the sake industry, um, I would go to regular, um, it's called like benkyokai or study session, often held at izakayas that I really liked. Um, they would maybe get the entire year's product, one bottle of the entire production of a brewery and do a tasting and there was no competition or blind tasting element of it um it was more just everyone like tasting the entire production of a brewery and kind of getting an, an understanding for it and making comments about what they liked or disliked or or so forth some of them got a bit more serious where the first round would be blind and we'd we'd have to write down which ones we liked the best and then afterwards they'd take off the the wrappers and be like ah! you know your favorite one that you that you regularly praised was like the marked the worst in your selection sometimes I've been to those kinds of events um where a one rice strain was focused for example ayama which is a very difficult rice to use in brewing um there was a, I've been I used to for years and years and years go to a regular ayama sake tasting study group 
And again, we'd do it blind and would rank which ones we liked best. And what was interesting was every year the top two was always the same. And the top bottom, the bottom two were always the same. And then one year, my top number, the sucker that was always number two, um, was last. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shocking. And and I contacted the brewer and just said, hi, I just did the, um, I just did my Ayama class. Was there something different with the Ayama production this year? He said, oh, no, but we've just changed the, the Koji Muro. Like they just repaneled one of the walls in the Koji room, and um, which had introduced all of this new wood in the Koji room. And it seems that the Ayama um, picked up quite a lot of that new wood flavor and aroma. And mm. I was like, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery solved. Yeah. You know, if you come to Tokyo, uh, just visiting, a few izakayas uh, actually do like a little fun little tasting competition. So they'll bring out three sake and you have to basically work out. I think the one that I've done um, at a chain of izakayas called uh, Genkagura in Tokyo. You'll find them all over Tokyo. They normally do the same competition. They bring out three sake and they ask you to Guess which one is which rice. So you have one which is Miyamanishiki, one which is Yamaranishiki, and one which is Omachi. And you basically have to work out which one is which. It could be quite fun. Or you can just do a simple matching. Uh, yeah, it's really challenging if they're all made with different yeasts and different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's also quite fun to, I mean, this is some, um, you were saying just before um, that doing little mini assessments at home was a really good um, thing to, you know, get into the habit of doing. And it's really cool if you can get hold of um, maybe three or four sake, three sake from a brewery that uses the same yeast, they use the same, you know, same brewing conditions, the same shikomi mizu, um, but to make three different varietals, like there, for example, Shiraku, um, which is um, a Fukushima um, brand, uh, they have uh, an Ayama, a Yamanishiki, and I think it's, oh, and an Omachi that are all made with the same yeast in the same conditions. And it's really fun to put those in a black plastic bag and you know, do a tasting and try and make out which one's which and then switch the bags around and try it again and see if you, you know, that's a kind of really achievable, fun way of, um, you know, challenging yourself to identify some key markers and start to create sort of like a, um, like a file effects of, of memories, a memory bank of um, aromas and flavours to pull out at later use. Well, but didn't Obata Shuzo also release a special kiki, uh, a tasting? So, quite a yeah. few breweries do do this. Yeah. So you know, look out for look out for the opportunity to pick up sake that's made with all of the same, you know, yeah. elements except for the rice, look or how... except for the yeast. And some breweries actually do that as well. They'll it's yeah. the same rice, but they'll change up the yeast for you know maybe three yeah. or four different. Um, look out for the word uh, kikizake. When you're searching on their on their online shop, I mean, I what, think mean, it will be it's quite. It's not going to be translated to Somalia. Uh, <laughs> we don't know. Or, maybe. or translated in English at all. Um, no, let's give them credit. They probably will translate it into English if they if they're selling it overseas or whatever. Um, who knows? Maybe these are available overseas as well. Uh, maybe go out and check your local sake shop or restaurant. Maybe they maybe they do these competitions or maybe they sell mm -hmm. these sets. 
Yeah. Or maybe yeah. someone listens to this podcast and will create it. Ah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you well, never know. <laughs> and then please like drop us a comment. If yes. somewhere in your area overseas where you're able to, you know, do a study group with sake where you have these little, you know, amateur competitions or um assessment um things, um, let us know what you're doing. It'd be really cool to hear about mm. how people are um enjoying sake um, assessment in their own way in their own country yeah drop us a comment we, we always post on instagram when these episodes go up and uh drop put a comment in the uh, episode post on instagram or, or facebook or twitter or well. tag us into a photo of or tag us into a photo yeah session. would yeah. love to know about it yeah well I think I think we've maybe uh, that maybe does that topic justice. Uh, I think we've maybe um, given our listeners a good idea, hopefully, about what this assessment was all about and the competition, and maybe given some food for thought about how you can kind of put your own uh, little mini assessments together and just about what this whole tasting thing is all about. Um, but more than anything, it's about more more important than anything is actually enjoying sake, the enjoyment of sake. So don't get too hung up about it. Um, I'm not going to get too hung up about my results. Um, <laughs> he says and laughs. laughs. He says. Um, but yeah, no, it's about it's about enjoying sake. And um, make no mistake, these assessments do definitely enhance your enjoyment of sake as well. But um, yeah, when you're going out, you're enjoying sake at a restaurant, whatever, Don't you don't need to analyze the sake too much. Uh, let me just uh, add a little uh, final sort of uh, appendix, if you like, about um, where you can get these sets. So um, you have to go onto the um, Japan Sake Brewers Association website. They do have an English website, but unfortunately, these sets are not being exported as far as we know just at this moment. And actually, in, in Japan, the current uh, round of deliveries of these sets has ended. Uh, you can uh, fill in the application and uh, basically tell them that you are interested in the set and you would like to purchase one. But I think because it takes time to put these sets together, they're going to wait until they've got enough orders um, before they do the next round of deliveries. We'll put the link to the website uh, in the episode uh, description, though, um, and we'll keep you informed if uh, the situation changes. And on that note, thank you all for uh, joining me for this uh, episode of Sakyonair. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Rebecca. It was a pleasure. Uh, do you have Thank any you. last words? you have any last words? Yeah, I think, Chris, you hit the nail on the head. Don't overthink it. Just enjoy it. You know, sake is, it's, sake is a part of everyday life. It's something that is, when drunk responsibly, can be a really wonderful um, addition to the dinner table. Um, so don't overthink it just enjoy it um, and if you are going to do um, some kind of if you want to look at some kind of way to improve your skills there are lots of options we've discussed a few of them today and give us your feedback we'd love to hear about what you're doing yeah Cindy well I second that I, I personally really think that the joy of drinking sake is really having fun with it so no matter where you are in your rabbit hole of sake <laughs> as long as you're enjoying it if you analyze it or with your friends in a in a isakaya or if you're by yourself doing a tasting or in a competition i think as long as you're enjoying it you're having fun and then you're sharing your love for it 
that's kind of all we and in the industry need, right? Absolutely. And there's one more thing I always say to everyone. There's no right or wrong with sake. And there's no good or bad sake. And the most delicious sake is the sake that you love the most. I think we'll end it on that note. That's perfect. And that will do it for this episode of Sake On Air. Please take a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be enjoying the show on. And feel free to send your questions and comments to questions at sakeonair.com or uh, contact us on uh, in Instagram uh, at sakeonair, Twitter and Facebook. And you'll find us over on YouTube as well. Sake on Air is made possible with the generous support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and is broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in Tokyo. The show is a co-production between Export Japan and Pots K Productions with editing and sound production by Frank Walter. We'll be back with more Sake on Air in just two weeks' time. Until then, kanpai! Bye! Bye! <laughs>